Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is all about your body on kindness. It turns out that just witnessing acts of kindness produces oxytocin, which you might have heard as like your love hormone. And that aids in lowering blood pressure, improving heart health, and it increases self-esteem and optimism and even trust. And kindness also stimulates your body to make a built-in antidepressant that we like to call serotonin, although serotonin does a lot more besides being an antidepressant. It's also pro-inflammatory if you have too much. But assuming you get the right amount from kindness, it's a feel-good chemical that helps you with wound healing and calming down and being happy. And people who actually practice kindness perpetually have 23% less of the stress hormone cortisol, and they age more slowly than the average population. According to research from Emory University, when you're kind to another person, your brain's pleasure and reward centers light up as if you're the recipient of the good deed, not the giver. They call that the helper's high, and one theory behind that is that it's caused by mirror neurons in the brain, which I think is the right theory. Now, one thing that I've learned in the course of Bulletproof is that if you want to be kind to another person consciously, it helps to have enough energy. And that's one of the reasons that I make the the products the way I do at Bulletproof. I feel like if you're fed the right stuff and not fed the wrong stuff, it's easier to be kind to other people. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's guest has only three small words that back up what he does, and they are go be kind. I'm talking about Leon Logothetis, who's a world-renowned motivational speaker, adventurer, and philanthropist who is known everywhere as the kindness guy. He started out with his travel adventure and started a movement that's now made it into five books, multiple TV series, including Netflix and National Geographic, as well as a bunch of stuff on social media. And the reason that I wanted to interview Leon was because of his recent post on Instagram. By the way, he's the happiness guy on Instagram. And he wrote, happiness is the new rich. Inner peace is the new success. Health is the new wealth. Kindness is the new cool. 
Leon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Kindness is such a, a mushy word. <laughs> like we all sort of know what kindness is when we see it, but it's, it's relatively hard to define, sort of like the Supreme Court definition of pornography. Uh, I, I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see it. How do you define kindness? Do you know, a lot of people always come up to me and they say, you're the kindness guy. Uh, you, you tell me what kindness means. And they expect to have this like epic answer that like solves all world problems. But the truth is that for me, kindness is simply helping someone feel less alone. That's it. Wow, that's a great definition. Yeah, when you make someone feel like they matter, when you see someone, when you take someone's loneliness, uh, depression, and uh, transform it by simply being kind, that's a, that's a quite a profound way to be. I was just reading an article on uh, how, to, how to teach your kids to handle bullying. <laughs> and uh, it, it occurs to me that a lot of the unkindness or lack of kindness that we see in adult discourse comes out as a result of you know, people being mistreated as kids, oftentimes being bullied, and then they come up sort of feeling, I, I have to you know, become a skeptic, I have to uh, attack others, I have to defend myself, or I have to you know, be at, at the front of the stoplight or whatever the thing is. So it's sort of like there's this pattern that's repeated over and over. How do you... How do you tell people to approach making people kind in the next generation? Is, is there a recipe for just creating kindness from the start? You know, one of the most powerful ways to, let's say, create kindness in a human being is to teach empathy. If I feel your pain, the chances are that I will not um, go out into my world and share pain with others and create pain because we all know what it feels like to be in pain. When I give uh, speeches at schools, I get the kids to come up and I, and, I, and I ask them the question, how does it feel when someone's mean to you? And they tell me, and then I get them to come up, how does it feel when someone's kind to you? Because we can really only experience our own experiences. Um, so the use of empathy is a very profound tool to inspire people to treat others with dignity. So teaching empathy. All right, you can teach that to kids, sort of you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes. How do you get an adult who's in a, a reactive place? You know, they're, they're either in the process of doing something that isn't kind or about to do something that, that is unkind. You know, they're, let's take the stereotypical example. They're in traffic and their middle finger is about to go up uh, because you know, someone cut them off or whatever. What's the intervention uh, to, to allow people to choose kindness versus reactivity? Well, in the moment when someone's about to pull their middle finger out, um, there, may no, there may be no hope. So you can't help them in that moment but because it's done. Um, but what you can do down the road is, is come from your heart. And, and instead of trying to fix them with your mind – or trying to speak to them on a mind level, you speak to them on a heart level. Um, and I had some, I used to have road rage. Believe it or not, yeah, the kindest guy used to have road rage. It's true, <laughs> I've destroyed my career, but it's done. Um, and I remember once, many years ago, I got out of the car, and this guy got out of the car. And 
I turned around and got back in my car because he was much bigger than me. <laughs> um, and I was in some way humiliated to never have road rage again. Um, so a wise man once said to me that people never remember what you say to them, but they always remember how you make them feel. So the way to make someone kinder is to show them that kindness is a win-win, to show them the benefits of, of coming from a place of, of, of love and coming from a place of, of, of compassion and empathy. And, and sometimes people always say to me, they're like, you know, I can't be kind because it's weakness. If I'm, if I'm yeah. kind, then they'll, they'll squash me. And I, I tell them the story of Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali, not a perfect man, but no one is, is a man that came from his heart, is a man that came from a place of service, is a man that came from love. Uh, and then I say to them, would you mess with Muhammad Ali? And they're like, no, of course not. And the point is that you can be kind and you can be strong. Um, just your kindness doesn't mean you can let people walk all over you. Absolutely not. There's a, there's a, you know, a boundary in place. There's a, you know, it's, it's not okay to, to treat me the way that, that you, like that. Treat people with respect, but there's a boundary that you put up. Do not mess with me, but I'm going to be kind. So kindness isn't weakness, but kindness can feel like weakness, especially in the face of someone who isn't being kind towards you. How do you break that cycle? Like, let's say you're at work and you got a coworker who's who's feeling critical, and you're like, "All right, I'm going to start talking about it behind their back, or I'm going to start becoming defensive or something." What's the process that you coach people to go through to just be kind? Many of us make commitments. One of the commitments is to our work. Another of, of the commitments is to our families. How many of us make a commitment of how we're going to show up in the world? So. That's the secret source, let's say. That's what I do every day. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I've made a commitment to show up with, with compassion and kindness as often as I possibly can. And by doing that, through osmosis to a certain degree, I really don't spend that much time around people who aren't kind, who don't come from their hearts. And it took time. It doesn't always work, you know, you never know what happens in life. But if you do that and you make a commitment, the greatest thing that one can do is have an intention. And that intention of showing up with a with a with a kind soul, with a kind heart, with with some compassion is something that will truly change lives. Um, and that's my trick. That's what I do. That's what I do as often as I possibly can. And it's easy to do it if you win the lottery, right? It's easy to do it if you, you know, everything's going well. The hard part is to do it when things are not going well, when someone upsets you on the road, when you want to get angry. But if you make that commitment, like you do with your family, like you do with your work, lives change, starting with your own. When's the last time that you did something that you would classify as unkind? <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you. I can't, can't believe I'm going to say this, but I am. So basically, I was uh, over the weekend, I was staying in a hotel and I put on Amazon Prime and I didn't know how to turn off Amazon Prime and put my code in. And it was $3 to rent a movie. And it just so happened that someone else's uh, <laughs> thing was on there. And I was like, you can't do this. You're the kindness guy. You're going to, God is going to punish you if you do this. Um, and I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to, how not to do it. But in the end I couldn't. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So if you're listening, I think the person's name was Brooke. If you're listening, I'm really sorry. 
please send me a check and I will pay you the three dollars. <laughs> so you you borrowed three dollars without permission from Brooke. I know it's really bad. I feel ashamed, but it's true. <laughs> I love it that you're so real. Well, I, I was going to say, and what do you do to make it right? But it sounds like in this case, like, hey, I'll I'll pay you back. Do you know what I could do? In fact, I'm going to is I'm going to call the hotel, tell them what room I was in. Um, and tell them to tell the guest that I will send them $3. You could probably also, you know, buy someone else a $3 item or buy two other people a $3 item and do the sort of pay it forward thing. I like it, but I, I feel bad. It's going gonna, it's gonna to haunt me. Brooke, Brooke's $3 <laughs> is going to haunt me forever. All right. You just introduced the next topic, almost like we planned it that way, which we didn't. No one's perfect. No. So if you commit to being this kind person and you say, and in fact, this is a law from Game Changers, my, my last book, uh, you know, people don't find out who they are. They choose who they're going to be and then they make themselves that person. And kindness is one of the things that I aspire to. So the problem is you made that $3 choice. Uh, we've all made choices that in retrospect weren't the kindest or the best choice. And it's really easy to then say, oh, geez, I, I failed. Uh, you know, I, uh, the voice in your head can, can get a little bit hostile about that sort of thing. How do you deal with the fact that you weren't as kind as you wanted to be? Like, what's your inner dialogue and what do you do to, to let go of that? So my inner dialogue is very simple. And sometimes it's external as well, specifically when I'm giving the speeches. Um, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. Gandhi wasn't perfect. Jesus wasn't perfect. You're not perfect. Your listeners are not perfect. We make mistakes. Sometimes they're $3 mistakes. Sometimes they're much worse than that. Um, and I tell people, you make a commitment to get and stay on the kindness wagon. You keep on going. If you fall off the kindness wagon, it's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad human being. It doesn't mean you can't be kind. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means that you're human and you fell off the wagon. Get back on it. That's what commitment is. That's what intention is. It doesn't mean that oh, I make a commitment to be kind and all of a sudden I'm going to be like the Dalai Lama. Well, you know what? The Dalai Lama is a human just like us, and I'm sure he's been unkind in his life. Um, so it's, it's a commitment thing. It's a commitment thing. You get back on the wagon and it's all okay. Don't worry. You made a mistake. It's good. No worries. Okay. So you, you just basically say, yeah, uh, no problem, made a mistake. How... I mean, how, how much of a monk-like existence does it take to be kindness? I mean, you, you've traveled to 100 countries. Uh, you've, you know, you, you've really gone out there and, and just put yourself out, th out there as, uh, as an example of this. But it seems like you can almost become an ascetic. It, if, if everyone listening to the show right now said, you know, I'm only going to be kind, you know, you'd give away all your money. You'd <laughs> you start to go down, down a path. I, how do you know when too, kind, too, too much kindness happens? Well, remember my definition, and my definition is kindness is simply helping someone feel less alone. Mm. So if that's okay. true, it's true for me, it could maybe not true for you, but it's true for me. If that's the case, then you don't need to be a monk to make someone feel less alone. You just need to be present for them. You just need to make them feel like they don't like they matter. You just you just need to show up. Um, it doesn't mean you can't do silly things like this weekend, I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to. I decided to take and always wanted to have a bath in glitter. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So I did. 
Now, I don't know any monks that had baths, have had baths in glitters, in glitter. But, you know, just being kind doesn't mean you have to give up everything. You can't be silly. You can't, you know, go on adventures. You can't have bad days. You can. It's all good. Have a bad day. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Except when you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month and you're on the floor and you feel down, that's okay. But as the great man Winston Churchill once said, never, never, never give up. So you're down, you're, you're on the floor, it's okay. You've been mean, it's okay. Just when you're ready, stand up and keep on going. All right, so it, it's the continued practice of kindness, not the perfection of kindness that you're targeting. Absolutely. Okay. It's the same thing with love, let's say. Like with love, one people think, and I used to be one of those people, that you fall in love and everything's going to work itself out. You know, It's all going to work itself out. But the truth is you have to commit to it. You have to commit to how you show up on a daily basis. The same thing with kindness. You have to commit to it. That's that's the way it is. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and so it, it's a, a practice much like meditation. But instead of saying I have a, a daily meditation practice, you're saying I have a daily kindness practice. And you walk through life saying, all right, how do I help the people around me not feel alone? Yes. And... Sometimes people say to me, what, why, uh, why are you so kind? Why did you d- decide to live your life like this? And the truth is, as a kid, I felt profoundly alone. I know what it feels like to feel like one doesn't matter. I know what it feels like to feel ostracized. I know, and you're a human being, and your listeners are human beings, and they know too. So the way to resolve that in many instances is to have someone be kind to you and when someone is kind to you things get better so you take that kindness and you throw it like it's confetti to others and it becomes a win-win i win because i'm being kind to you and i feel better you win because my kindness makes you feel like you matter yeah it it, that's a it's a a powerful equation there and i'm just i'm thinking of of times when uh, when I've been able to do stuff like that, and it pays a dividend, and and I suspect everyone listening to the show right now can think of one person in their life who really was kind at a time they needed it, and like it, it'll stand out. Like, oh, that person really made a difference, and you realize you can you can be that that person. But there's also uh, to the the research at the beginning of the show, and something that you've said as well. Being kind can be a little bit selfish because it actually feels good to be kind to another person. Like, like it pays dividends for you in terms of good hormones and all those things. One hundred percent. You know, they like they they say to me, "Oh, you know, Mother Teresa, she was selfless." Maybe, but do you think that Mother Teresa didn't feel amazingly beautiful because of how she treated people? Of course, she did. She got something out of it, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Did, did you just say Mother Teresa was selfish? I think you did. <laughs> I, in a roundabout way. <laughs> That's okay. Um, there, she, she clearly had some ego in there. It's okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it makes you, being kind makes you feel better. So why not do it? It's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, one of my, my favorite tricks for this, uh, one of the, the places where I buy my organic grass-fed everything uh, um, if you spend more than a couple hundred bucks, they give you a $10, like a receipt worth $10 off your next purchase. The problem is I lose receipts. I don't keep a folder of receipts in my wallet. If I did, there's just like a, a crust of them that builds up at the bottom of my wallet and it's just not a good situation. So I, I realized 
I could throw them all away three years from now when I finally look at them, or I just go to the person behind me in line. I'm like, hey, <laughs> here's $10 off the, of your, your groceries right now. Uh, and you know, it's an act of kindness. I, I could you know, be selfish and keep the 10 bucks. But then I tell them, look, if you get one of these things sometime, will you do me a favor and give it to the person behind you in line and, it, and it's all good and like everybody wins. And if you never do, it's okay also. And the, the smile you get from doing that is worth at least 10 bucks and not having to track some piece of paper that I'm going to lose anyway is also worth 10 bucks. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's one of the things because I always feel happy when I leave shopping having done that and otherwise I don't. And it, it's, there aren't a lot of losers in that situation unless I truly didn't have $10. And even then, I think it would probably come back to me. Yeah, again, it goes back to the, to the, law, to the law, well, Leon's law of win-win when it comes to kindness. You win, I win. And why not do it? Now, that's easy to say because I have more than 10 bucks, but you traveled in your TV series, Amazing Adventures of a Nobody. You crossed America, the UK, and Europe on $5, five pounds, and five euros a day, uh, depending whatever the, the right currency was. All right, that might rely a lot on the kindness of others. Tell me about what that was like and how kindness played a role in that. So as a kid, I was very shy. I couldn't connect with people at all. And I grew up in an environment where materialistically I had everything, but emotionally I had nothing. And on the journey, the, one of the first journeys I did, I walked across America, well, hitchhiked across America from Times Square to the Hollywood sign. And I flipped it so that I would have no money, but I would have to rely on the hearts of other human beings. And it made me realize in doing that, that there was so much love out there. Yes, bad stuff happens. I get it. You watch the same news as I do. Um, but more often than not, there is a, a, a heart-centeredness in humanity that is not, um, is, is not, the magnifying glass is put on the negative instead of the positive. And I just say, put the magnifying glass on the positive. You know, yeah, okay, bad things happen. But go out and connect with people in their hearts. That's what we are. We're communal uh, creatures. We're a species that needs each other. Yet we've reverted to going back behind high walls and connecting on the internet and, you know, connecting via uh, social media, but we're not really connecting. That's the magic when you connect with another human being. Someone once said to me that kindness is really just a portal to human connection. And that's the truth. All right. Give me a specific example. It's you know, five bucks a day. You're traveling. Uh, you need to eat. I mean, were, were you, how did this work? Like, like I, I'll admit, I haven't seen the series. So I, how did you do that? Yeah. So I basically, I would walk up to people and I would tell them what I was doing and I would ask them if they could help. And, you know, eight to nine times out of 10, they'd say no, which is fine. That doesn't mean they're mean, although some of them may have been, it just meant that they had stuff to do and whatever. And you ultimately find that one human being who you connect with on a heart level and magic happens. Maybe they put you up for the night. Maybe they give you some food. Maybe they help you to get to the next city. Um, it's really an, an experiment in connecting with humanity. So people would put you up in their houses, they'd feed you, and you, you definitely benefited from that. What about the flip side? I mean, you're in LA, and I have certainly get asked a lot when I'm in LA, you know, hey buddy, can you spare a dime? Although now I think they're asking for Bitcoin. Um, what, uh, uh, what do you do when, when someone asks you for money? Do you help? Well, in my journey, I cannot accept money. 
Okay. So I can't accept money. That's one of the major rules. When people come up to me in the streets and they ask me for money, I have to make a decision. I have to use my intuition. And uh, often my intuition says, maybe this isn't the right time to give this person money. Maybe you offer them some food. Maybe you do give them some money. Maybe you walk past them and do nothing. Um, and that's happened many times. And truth be, truth be told, probably most of the time for me, you know, you can't help everyone. Um, but you feel that one connection, that one bond, that one moment, and you can help. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you make a mistake. There have been people I've helped that haven't, hasn't worked out, and that's okay. Uh, and if they're going to take me to the cleaners, which is an English phrase for if they're going to, you know, do something bad, that's mm -hmm. on me. It's not on them. I let them into my life. It's on me. Okay, got it. So the worst thing is you might give someone a buck and they might uh, they, they might say no, but you're generally not going to give them a dollar. You're going to say, let me buy you a hamburger. Generally, that's what I do. All right, yeah, good good deal. I, I totally understand and respect that. Now, here's the situation. I I, uh, I saw a homeless guy once and he's like, hey man, I he had a sign. He said, I need some money for medicine. And I looked at him and I said, what kind of medicine? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, beer. <laughs> yeah, what funny. would you do in that situation? Um, depending on how I felt, if he was funny, and I, you know, I may give it to him. But uh, sometimes you can do things like test people. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in LA. It happens quite often. You have kids and adults. They're like outside the grocery stores, mm -hmm. and they're saying that they want to. They're, they're trying to sell chocolates, and they're like, you know, uh, please help me. I want to buy sell sell these chocolates to buy jerseys for my school basketball team. And and what I do to them is I say, yeah, okay, no worries. Here's my email address. You send me an email, and I will buy jerseys for every single kid on the team in your school. And they're like, oh, okay, great. That's really wonderful. Not once has anyone ever emailed me. <laughs> yeah. Which, wow. which says to me that they're not telling the truth. Yeah. Because if you're really doing it to get jerseys for your school and a man has told you that he will give you the money to buy jerseys for every single person on your team, you're lying. It's done. Wow. What do you do when you see uh, Girl Scouts selling Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> now all the, I'm going to get hate mail from the Girl Scouts. <laughs> I'm having um, fun with this. <laughs> yeah. Actually, sometimes I, I buy cookies off them because they're the Girl Scouts. I mean, you know, they've clearly got something behind them. It's like the Girl Scouts. The, the right. other guys, they're just clearly not telling the truth. But you would imagine that Girl Scouts speak truth, but who knows? I'm always torn uh, because I don't eat the kind of processed, highly like sugary sort of garbage ingredients. Uh, no offense, Girl Scouts, but your cookie quality has, has drifted down over the last 30 years. Uh, and so I, I just don't eat that kind of stuff. And also I wouldn't feed it to my kids because it makes my kids go bonkers. So I'm like, I want to support a good cause. I want to support entrepreneurship. And I, I've gone back and forth and I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I say, you know, to, to the little girl, what's your favorite flavor? And I guess the caramel, whatever. I like, oh, great. I'm going to buy a box of these for you. Right. And, and you can eat them. And their mom always looks at me like you jerk. Right. So, because, <laughs> you know, like, like these kids are going to be wired on cookies. Like, was that an act of kindness or was that not an act of kindness? Mm. It depends <laughs> on your intention. If your intention was to drive the mom crazy, then it wasn't. No, no, that, that's not the intention. I just know it's a side effect. My intention was to, you know, hey, good job selling. Like, you, you closed the deal. I, I don't eat those, but, you know, let me help. 
Uh, and, and that truly is in my heart. But I also kind of, I know that, that the mom's like, oh, come on. You, you know, you're going to crank my kid up on, on sugar again. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, it may be, maybe the underlying question for you there, Leon, is some acts of kindness are not necessarily one-sided and, or, or they're not all, they're not only kindness. Sort of like, you know, a meal. You can have some stuff that's good for you in it and some stuff that's bad for you in it. And there's a balance of the two. What do you run through some sort of a calculus when you're saying, all right, I'm in my kindness VW, kindness to my VW Beetle. I'm driving from one continent to another. uh, And you're saying, I'm going to do this thing. And it's kind for party A, but it's maybe ignoring or not kind to party B. Do you have like a kindness equation that runs through your head? The equation that runs through my heart is does it well said. Does it feel right? Okay. Does it feel right? If it feels right, I will do it. Have I made mistakes? Yes. But more often than not, I follow my heart and the heart always wins. Okay. Except when it doesn't, but that's rarely. Now, what what fascinates me is, is by the way, I, I love it that you're just going with your intuition. The, the body tells you and in, in the world of neuroscience where I spend some of my time uh, at one of my companies – uh, you can see the body knows what what's right. The body knows stuff the mind doesn't know, and then the mind oftentimes changes the signal that comes from the body. But you're you're practicing this, and in your your last season, uh, you drove from Alaska to Argentina in three and a half months in a 1971 bright yellow VW Beetle uh, with no heat, and you just found good Samaritans and just out of your own pocket said, "I'm going to." Uh, give you, you know, give you uh, an award for your kindness, uh, sort of just an unexpected thing. Uh, tell me the, the, the way you decide what you're going to give someone with. I mean, is this like your heart's like, hey, I'm going to give this guy something that's you know, really expensive or like, like there, there has to be some sort of cognitive loop that's in there. And I want to know, number one, how do you decide what you're going to give someone? And number two, what's the weirdest or most noteworthy thing you've gifted? So, so, so the journeys work as follows. The first journey, I took a yellow vintage motorbike and I crossed the world, circumnavigated the world on kindness. I had no money, no food, no gas, no place to stay, nothing. All I had was relying on you. Okay. At the end of each episode, I meet someone who is in need and who's treated me with amazing kindness and I give them something back in a surprise way. Okay. And, And how do I decide that? Well, really, again, it goes back to the way I answered the last one. I decided it with my heart, but I also decided it with my mind. So I think to myself, I ask some questions. Bear in mind, they have no idea that why I'm probing. Um, and I ask them questions about what they need and you know stuff like that. Um, for example, in season one, I ended up on the streets of Pittsburgh, sleeping with a, next to a homeless chap uh, who had nothing uh, except love. And the next morning, I was able to put him up in an apartment and send him back to school because he always wanted to be a chef. So clearly I had figured out that he wanted to be a chef and clearly he was homeless and my heart felt connected to him. And I also knew or felt that he would take what I gave him and do something great with it. Okay. Sometimes it fails, but more often than not, it doesn't. So it's really to answer that question. It's a mind heart thing. So do you know the, um, the author, um, Joseph Campbell. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So Joseph Campbell has this, he was clearly a bit of a genius, but he had 
um, this famous quote, which I'm going to completely butcher, but he basically said, to live a great life, you have to master both worlds. And what he meant by that was you have to master your heart and you have to master your mind. And when you go back and forth between those two worlds, that is when you are truly living greatness. Uh, that is uh, that's a great source there uh, to, to quote. And I'm I'm thinking back at the very beginning of Bulletproof, one of my either blog posts or social media posts, I, I talked about how there's a, a group of people who are sort of, they think that they're meat robots. Like they, they live only in the world of hard logic and uh, you know skepticism and, and just I only think. Uh, and they're generally really unhappy people. Uh, and then you have this other side of people who like live only in the heart. They're the yoga teacher who can't be on time for their own classes. <laughs> kind of person like, I don't know, the universe will provide. Uh, and that if you're in either one of those extremes, you're probably not very effective as a human being, but there's somehow there's a way of walking that that middle path. And certainly Joseph Campbell explained that. And, and you're saying that you walk that same middle path. I'm kind of putting words in, in your mouth. When you're figuring out how you're going to help one of these people, you're, you've got some of that, that yoga teacher uh, mindset or heart set in there. And you've also got some of the what's going to make a difference. So you're thinking your way through it. And you're at a place in life where you know, you've given away more than $200,000 uh, uh, worth of stuff to people around the world in the show. So you can do that. Uh, but I, I guess what, what you're saying is you walk that line the same way Joseph Campbell says? Absolutely. To the best of my ability. Are there moments where my mind freaks out and there's nothing my heart can do? Yes, there are. You know, of course. What's what's the biggest mistake you've made in that, in, in just in, in the show or in, in these acts of kindness? Mm. Like, did you ever get something away and realize the next day, oh my God, you know, this, this guy's a pimp or a drug dealer and completely had me? Or has your intuition always been right? Do you know what? It's never been wrong on that level. Has it been wrong in the sense where the person kind of doesn't make the most of it? Oh, yeah. Yes, it has. Uh, because you know, I've had many opportunities in life, as as I'm sh- as as I'm sure you have, and some of your listeners have. There are people out there that don't have opportunities. So that was another thing I wanted wanted to do. I wanted to give someone who has no opportunity an opportunity. And once I give them that opportunity, it's up to them. There's nothing really else I can do. Yes, I can help them. I can mentor them. I can you know take their calls. I can text them. But if they don't want it. There's, there's not much I can do, and that's okay. Okay. All right, th- that, that leads to another line of inquiry here that I wanted to get to. I've come across people who find something that works uh, for them, and it becomes a little bit of a, uh, an obsession, right? And one, one of the primary things, and this certainly happened to me back in the 90s uh, with, uh, with food, I'm like, oh my God, I, I finally lost 50 of my 100 pounds. Like, I, I know the answer. And like, you just kind of feel like you have to tell everyone about it. And a while, just a couple of years ago, someone said, I, I want to be a, you know, a, a nutrition, uh, what they say, activist. <laughs> and like, what's your advice? And my advice was, you know, shut up and eat and like, let people ask you, right? Do you find people become sort of kindness junkies where they just can't stop talking about oh my god you have to be kind i'm the kindest person kind 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 and it sort of takes over their life is that is that a thing it is 100 percent a thing and i'm always i i never wanted to preach 
I never wanted to like sit on a stage and tell you, this is what you have to do. You have to be kind or you have to do this. And if you don't do it, then you're screwed. Because if you do that, you become a fundamentalist. You may not be yeah. a fundamentalist in the you know narrow sense of the word, but you are a fundamentalist. You are a kindness fundamentalist. Some people don't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> that's the, that's the reality. You know, don't ram it down their throats. Don't. Oh, I'm I'm I, you know I'm I'm so kind. Or kindness will change the world. Okay, maybe it will. But after you say kindness will change the world, say you know what? I stole three dollars from Brooke. <laughs> yeah. Because that's basically what I did. I stole $3 from Brooke. If Brooke, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just send me an email or a message. Just do something and I will just repay you in some way. You realize 4,000 people named Brooke are going to hit you on the kindness guy on Instagram. And you're oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a question of imperfection. No one's perfect. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you can, I, I once said to someone, you can be blinded by the light. And there are kindness warriors out there that are fundamentalists. Um, and I don't want to be told what to do by anyone, let alone a fundamentalist. Well said. Uh, in fact, that, that's a, a, a meme-worthy quote right there. Uh, and by the way, that goes even if you're a, a Bulletproof Diet fan, uh, that shut up and eat and let people ask you before you talk about it, it's probably a good move. You, know, you, you want to share the good stuff. Uh, but yeah, fundamentalism and uh, perfection uh, go together. And if you're a fundamentalist, you know what happens too. Um, there's a, a vegan, I don't know which one, who got caught eating fish. <laughs> and like, oh my God, can you believe it? So fundamentalism kind of sets you up for a fall uh, mm, uh, from my perspective. And, and your vulnerability in saying, yeah, I took three bucks from Brooke, I, I think is a great insulating factor where you're like, look, you know, we're all on a path. So kudos for, for being real and... Uh, Avoiding guruhood, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do. I have a question for you, Leon. I I remember I, I've traveled the world not quite as extensively as you, but but quite a lot. Uh, in fact, when you had your first motorcycle trip uh, in 2005, I think uh, right before that, I was in Tibet, where I, I discovered yak butter tea. At least for me, I discovered it, and uh, that led to bulletproof coffee. And I, I spent some time in Cambodia, and I noticed in Cambodia that people were shockingly happy and they had almost nothing. I, I mean, just, and this is a country that's been just torn by war uh, and in very recent war where I was expecting, you know, a bunch of sort of PTSD trauma. And there are people who were walking around singing and happier than I would have ever expected them to have any right to be in happier than they would have been in the U S uh, and it, it actually shifted my perspective on a lot of things, but I want to know, given that you you study and you observe kindness around the world, are there some cultures that are inherently more kind than others? The kind the, the kindest cultures are the ones that foster community. Whether or not that community is is consciously fostered because you know community is good, or whether it's because you know war has happened or whatever, um, there's a sense of community. I remember I was in Bali, I was uh, driving on my moped, and I saw these people sitting in a circle. Like I was like, what? So I stopped and I went back and I looked at them and I was like, what are they doing? And what they were doing was they were talking. There was no phones. There was no television. They were simply connecting with each other. And to me as a Westerner, I was like, what? 
And uh, all these places where you have this sense of community, I would definitely say they are happier, 100%. Does it mean they don't have problems? Of course not. Everyone has problems. But they were definitely more connected and they had a sense of community, which we lack in so many different ways. Well, that's, uh, that's kind of an answer. Name a country. Um, Bhutan. <laughs> Bhutan, okay, where the gross national exactly. happiness is, uh, is part of their equation. So really, of all the countries you've been to, Bhutan was the kindest country, not the happiest country, or was it Do both? you know what? The people that I met were just, they came from their hearts. You know when you meet someone that yeah. like lives from their heart and is love, you sense their, their, their heart, you sense their, their humanity. This was what Bhutan was for me. Beautiful. I, I have yet to go to Bhutan, uh, but I, I did in, uh, in Nepal. Uh, I, uh, I was there when the Red Cross had pulled out of the country because they're in the middle of a civil war and I was too stubborn to leave. So I said, I'll pretend like I'm Canadian, uh, not knowing that I would end up living in Canada. I've been here for nine years now. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I'll be all right. But because I was one of the few tourists in the country at the time, just random people, shopkeepers, people who weren't looking for, for anything would invite me into their homes. You know, Hey, have some tea, have some chai. Uh, you know, let's talk. You know, I, 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 and we talked about corruption and, and there's our country is so corrupt. Your country is not so corrupt. And I'm like, I think we might have a good branding uh, thing over you, but there's some pretty strong corruption where I live too. It's just, we're better at it. And we had these really deep conversations, but it was that that just genuine connection there that I hadn't experienced in any other country. So they're a next door neighbor of Bhutan, so there could be some local cultural thing. Yeah, I went to Nepal as well, which is a magical country. Uh, there's just so much love. There's just so much kindness. There's sense of community. There's so much humanity just flowing in their veins. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Again, bad things happen. I get it. Oh, yeah. But um, just the people so welcoming, so humble, so kind. All right. Uh, what's the least kind country? Oh, I hate this question because if I answer that question, I'm literally going <laughs> to get know. like hate mail. <laughs> so please, I'm begging you. I'm already going to get hate mail from every single book in the world. So please don't <laughs> let me answer that question because I will get hate mail. All right. I, I suppose asking you that question might not have been kind. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I, I sure want to know the answer. Well, I'll, I'll give you a clue. Uh, that, that wouldn't be necessarily be a criticism, but then you're like, okay, what do we? What is? What happened in that culture to create the environment? Like, what? What was the core trauma or something? But uh, maybe if you don't name a country, but what are some characteristics of the history of a country or a society or a community that generate a less kind environment? Um, well, look, suffering on on some level, like in Eastern Europe, they suffered for many, many, many years um and it's just it takes them longer to to open up it takes them longer to be able to Mm. like desire to be vulnerable because you know they've had they've lived on they lived under communism for for a decade for a century uh, approximately a century um so you know they're always mitigating circumstances so, so basically a a society that's less trusting exactly uh, because whatever exactly exactly okay and that's, yeah, right. that's, that's what it is. Like sometimes people say to me, well, Leon, you know, what is the thing that stops people being kind? The main thing, and I would say it's fear. It's fear. Yeah. They don't want to be vulnerable. They've been squashed. They don't want to be hurt. They want to be, you know, careful. It's fear. It, 
It's interesting though, because I, I look at, at groups of people who've been through uh, substantial trauma and I'm always interested, like how does a society become resilient? And Cambodia for me, was one of those things like, how is this possible, right? Um, but I also I have a, a bunch of friends um, who are Jewish, right? And generally as a people, Jews did not have a good 1900s. <laughs> Um, at least uh, none of my friends uh, uh, would say that. And yet I've been invited to Shabbat at, at many people's houses. And you know, there's there's some level of intact and, and helpingness that, that absolutely survived um, you know, what was a, a really just a horrible, horrible things that happened. And I always ask myself, how did that level of, of kindness and community, and no, not everyone's any one way, but generally when really bad things happen and you have people who are average or above average in their level of kindness, which has been my experience, um, I'm, I'm always curious, like, how did that happen? And do you have any thoughts on, on not necessarily it amongst uh, the Jewish community as an example, but just when, when, when people end up way kinder than you'd expect from bad things that happen to a whole country, a whole culture, what's the magic spark that makes that happen? Do you have a theory? Yeah, cl clearly what happened in the Holocaust is, is beyond my comprehension. Yeah. yeah. But I would go so far as saying that the level of pain that they went through and that people go through, sometimes pain is a catalyst to, to create lasting inner change. Mm. Sometimes pain um, is, is, is the magic source that makes you want to like live a different way. And I talk for myself here. And that is that, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today about kindness if I hadn't felt deeply, profoundly, chronically alone. Yeah. If I didn't feel deep pain, my own version of pain, I wouldn't have been able to transform that into love. Um, and also because you have people who suffer pain and they become mean. Let's be clear, okay? Um, the flip side of the Holocaust is what the Nazis did to the to, to the Jews uh, and others. Um, and I I would say that in order to transform your pain into kindness, into love, you need a witness. You need one human being to witness your pain, one human being to feel your sadness, one human being to see you, to to feel your your aloneness to feel your brokenness because if you have that one witness you get to feel your own um pain and that there's hope um and that actually comes from a very famous um psychologist called alice miller she wrote many books but one of the books she wrote was uh, the drama of a gifted child yes. uh, it's yeah, on my shelf. that was an yeah it's a it's a life-changing book um so if you're suffering pain and you have a witness, there is hope. If you're suffering pain and you have no witness, the hope diminishes tremendously. Uh, so have, having a witness is perhaps the key. Um, there's, you talk about fear. One of the things I did, and for me, a core fear was also fear of being alone. I, I felt alone. I, I had a lot of bullying when I was young. Uh, so part of my just you know hacking all the things, I identified that that was a problem for me. 
so I said, all right, I'm going to go uh, fast in a cave by myself uh, for four days in the middle of the desert. So I'll, I'll just deal with this, you know, fear of being hungry as a formerly obese person, uh, and you know, fear of being alone, and just see if it kills me. <laughs> the idea sort of some of the fear of heights, jumping off of a uh, a bungee jump or something, going parachuting, just to to you know, exposure therapy maybe. So I went and I did it, and I was pretty darn apprehensive, but. It, uh, I think it really did make a big difference because I just realized that being alone wasn't as, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was because I had built up stories from feeling very alone as a child. So I had this strong emotion that wasn't actually based on reality because what it was was it was kind of peaceful and I got to you know, look at birds. <laughs> it wasn't that bad uh, and I was kind of hungry. But uh, having a witness is, is a very different path than just building that resilience. What's the difference between, well, look, you know, toughen up a little bit, look at it from an adult perspective versus when you originally experienced whatever that thing was versus, all right, I'm truly suffering, have a witness. And I, I think it's valuing both, but what's your perspective on the difference? Yeah, I mean, look, it's multifaceted. It's not just having a witness. Like if you're in pain and you have a witness and you don't do anything with, 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 mm -hmm. with what you've learned or what you've been shown, then nothing's going to happen. You have to put it, you have to, again, it goes back to commitment. It goes back to intention. It goes back to a desire. You uh, were overweight and you decided to commit to not being overweight. No one forced you to do that. That was an inner commitment. Right. Yes, maybe people helped you. Maybe you had a witness that guided you, but you had to do it. Um, and, and clearly, I like Winston Churchill. He has another quote, which I'm always quoting. And it says, when you find yourself walking through hell, keep walking and that's another yeah that's another example yeah. like you were in the cave for four days you know i've had moments where i had four i was in the wilderness in utah for four days with no food and after day one i was like what on earth are you doing <laughs> this is insane but i put myself in that situation like you'd put yourself in the situation with the cave and there was no turning back you weren't going to leave that cave until you had proved to yourself that there was another way to be and that's what you did. And look now, look where you are now because of that, that, and that's a, that's a magnificent thing. So there's some amount of, of resilience training and exposure we can do. And there's also some amount of like, actually I'm really suffering here and having a witness. And certainly I've had lots of people um, who are, you know, were, were there for me when I needed it. So, all right. So it's, it's both. I have a couple more questions for you. One of them is give me some details on cell phone roulette. <laughs> Cell phone roulette. Okay, so I wrote a book. My latest book is called Go Be Kind. Um, and it's 28 and a half adventures guaranteed to make you happier. And, and basically what it is, is people would come up to me and they'd be like, I can't quit my job. I can't give um, random people life-changing gifts. I'm not going to be kind. And I'm like, okay. So what I did was I created this book, which enabled you to go on the same kind of adventure that I went on without spending a single penny. Because it's not about getting a yellow motorbike. It's not about a yellow VW Beetle. It's about how you show up moment to moment. That's all. So the cell phone roulette is one of the adventures in the book. You take your phone out, you, you go down your contacts without knowing where you're going and wherever it lands, Wherever it lands, you call them or you text them and you say something 
that will make that person feel less alone. Um, and I did a little video doing that. And I was like, oh, my God, this much easier when you write it than when you actually do it. And I, I got this guy and I called him. I, I literally had no idea who he was because I, I have people in my phone. Sometimes I don't know who they are. And I called him and we did the cell phone roulette and I was kind to him and he remembered me and then I remembered him. And it was a beautiful thing. So that's really what cell phone roulette is. One of the 28 and a half adventures in the in the book. Or the, it's really a journal. All right. That's uh, that's a cool trick. Uh, and it reminds me, uh, oh, geez, I'm going to blank on who was the other. I had another guest who, who talked about doing that. Once every couple weeks, he'd go through and, and you know, pick someone he hadn't texted in a long time and send him a quick message. And just profound things happen as a result. So similar idea, but I think he was a little bit less random about it. I like your roulette angle. That's That's cool. All right, my final question has nothing to do, uh, I don't think anyway, with kindness. Um, we did mention at the beginning that uh, kindness is associated with aging less quickly. I am actively working on living to at least 180. And I think, I think there's actually science that says this could happen. My question for you is, how long do you want to live? Wow. Well, you don't look 180, let me tell you that. Um <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> um, look, you know, I'd, I'd, I've always wanted to have a moment when, when it's time to go to be like, it's okay. It's done. You've done what you needed to do. It's okay. Whenever that may be. Whenever that may be. Um, clearly, I'd like to live for as long as I can. But I want that's one of my goals, to be on that deathbed or to be in that place and be like, you know what? It's okay. Got it. So, so you'd like to 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 do what you came here to do before you go. If I'm paraphrasing, right? Yeah, basically. All right. What'd you come here to do? <laughs> oh man. Do you know what I've realized? I came here to do. This may sound a little silly, but maybe not. I came here to love. You know. And not in a preachy way, not in an unperfect way, because trust me, if I gave you the telephone numbers of all my ex-girlfriends, they'd tell you how imperfect I am. <laughs> but I came here to love. And yeah, I make mistakes. I mess things up. Get it. Done. Clear. But that's why I came here. Beautiful answer. Leon, it's been a pleasure interviewing you on Bulletproof Radio. And you're, the easiest way to connect with you and find all of your good stuff, because you've got multiple TV series and books and all that stuff, it's Instagram, The Kindness Guy. Have that right? Yeah, The Kindness Guy on Instagram. All right, I'm going to make sure I'm following you right now. I'm pretty sure I am. But uh, just in case, I'm actually going to Instagram on the air, you know, using my cell phone, all the bad stuff you're not supposed to do, and I'm checking it. So if you guys want to join me doing the same thing, I won't blame you unless you're driving, in which case you might get a ticket. All right, the kindness guy. What do you know? I wasn't following you. That is just disturbing. And, and <laughs> I am now. I, so. I I wonder if Brooke is following me. <laughs> You're gonna your follower count's just going up and up with all these people named Brooke. I don't know why. <laughs> all right, yeah. Leon. Thanks for your work. Thanks for being kind. And thanks for showing people how they can do it and making it a practice uh, rather than a, a set of perfection. I think there's some profound wisdom in what you're doing, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on today. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. 
uh, do something kind. In fact, you know an easy thing you can do that's really kind? If you have read or watched one of Leon's things, go to Amazon and leave a review. If you've read my books or you like this show, leave a review. Reviews are incredible acts of kindness for two different people. One is the creator, the person who wrote the book or did the show. The other one is for other people who might find the show. So if you love the show and you say, this is five stars, best ever, that's awesome. You're helping people find it. And if you think it was a bad show, I guarantee you that the creator wants to know it was a bad show and you would want to help people steer clear. So you're helping tons of people when you do that. Leave reviews. Thank you. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.